0: Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Roll Route. Who wears a Hawaiian shirt in a blizzard anyway? This is where we gather every day at this time and what we do is we discuss... The, look at Jan Wagner, she's peeing her pants again. We discuss the issues of the day. She did last time. And what we when we uh, bring a sense of sensibility to food production and food consumption. It is our fifth consecutive day that we've been doing this program live in front of an audience. We are here at the Blackleg Ranch, McKenzie, North Dakota, and I just wanna say the student, it is a blizzard outside, the first big blizzard of the year, and we've got a great crowd. Let me show you, let me show you how big the crowd is. One, two, three. And we have a fantastic place, Jace Doan one of the proprietors jace how are you thank you for allowing us to come into your home so to speak
1: yeah, i'm good thank you
0: and remember that microphone's your friend get right on top right. of it
1: can, can you hear me better
0: yeah yeah, yeah. D- use your radio voice I, i'll try <laughs> <laughs> andrew henderson all the way from
2: the cheshire plains in england how are you i'm uh, i'm humbled What humbles you? You're about to find out. (laughs) That's why I ask. Well, can I start my story?
0: Yeah, it's your your show, you can do what you like. Okay. I'm holding the microphone.
2: I don't like the idea of that. That's why I'm doing it. No, I'd rather hold it and give it to you back when you give me a signal. Is that, is that gonna be possible? That's possible, not likeable. No, okay. I can't have dead air pausing, this, handing the microphone back. This may well be one of the most important uh, bits of uh, television or radio I've ever done. Because what I'm about to tell you is actually true, and it stunned me. I uh, went onto your website and uh, I looked at the history of the Dome family and I, you know, you've got a checkered history. You, you came on the Mayflower and then ended up coming into the USA and then having a little holiday in Canada and then coming back to the USA. Is that sort of accurate? Okay. And in there it said, but the Dome family came from Staffordshire in England. You can, mm. you can chime in anytime. You chime in anytime. I I, I want to tell you so I thought now I live seven miles from Staffordshire and so I thought I don't know any uh, by the way I've lived there 30 years I don't know any dones in Staffordshire but I know a lot of dones in Cheshire where I live Spelt D O N E not D O A N so I I I have a, an Ancestry, um, I suppose it's an annual payment where I can go onto ancestry.com and I just put D O A N, uh, earliest recording in the United Kingdom. And ping, this address came up and this place, and it was called Old Duddon Hall. And I thought that's interesting and I read about it. And this family were huge in Cheshire they were directly aligned to the king and queen of England this family and I thought oh, I wonder if it's still there it'll probably be knocked down anyway old Dodden, Dodden Hall the family the ancestry home of the first recorded dome in the United Kingdom still exists today not only did it does it stilly, still exist get this it has a turning carriage driveway (laughs) so I thought what's that it's a listed building the ancestral home of the Doan family is a listed building now my house is a listed building so I was my ears were very pricked at that time so I went to the home and I thought it'll be a national trust home it must be beautiful it was more than that it's absolutely stunning I'm going to tell you And I knocked on the door and I said, "Um, you know, I'm going to this black um, leg ranch in Dakota. I said, look, look at their website. And I said, I think they've got relations that are related to the people that came from this um, house. And they went, you don't mean the Dones, do you? (laughs) 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 And I said, yeah. Oh, I said, they're they're well, well known in, in Cheshire. You must know a few Domes. Well, sadly, I do lo- know a lot of Domes. No, not sadly. Happily, I know a lot of Domes because there's a huge tennis league, and my wife and I play tennis. And it's a farmers' tennis league. And if your name is Doan in Cheshire, you tend to be a good tennis player. That's all I'm going to say. That's the truth. <laughs> so I've been beaten by a lot of bloody Domes over the bl- blinking Domes over the years. Uh, blinking domes over the years so I want to tell you this so I went to the house they showed me the house and the turning carriage driveway and I've got the video for anybody that wants to come and see it and for Jerry and and your uh, your lovely wife if you want to Renee if you want to come and visit this place you're welcome you will it'll put hairs on the back of your neck because I've got to say this is Absolutely amazing facility you've got here and I've read your website and I know that you're encouraging farming and you're doing everything that many farmers are doing right from where you came in terms of maximizing the use of the local land, the local forage, etc. But here's the thing, the first dome came to the UK, from the UK to the United States of America. I'm sure you know this, I think it's on your website actually, on the Mayflower. (laughs) Um, and he was a Quaker, do you know that? Yep, Quaker, the yep. religion was Quaker, okay. And then, about 40 years later something else happened, another Doan arrived into the area. And the reason he arrived, and I'm gonna tell you, there's a, a, a very famous story, and you can look this up, I've brought it for you to see. It's the mystery of the headless woman, okay. Now what happened was the domes were very patriotic, so a big round of applause for the domes because that's what they bring to America. And when Oliver Cromwell took or tried to find all the treasures of the the royal family in those days, not this bunch of globalists we've got now, it was the domes who hid the treasure of the United Kingdom royal family. And they were in conjunction with a family called the Hocknells. And if you come to England, you're going to find out, and I'm I'm going to suggest you should, that the Hocknells and the Domes are still very, very prominent families in dairy farming and and beef farming in the United Kingdom. The only thing is the Domes did change the spelling of their name. Okay, they went from D-O-A-N to D-O-N-E. Okay? And this is probably why. This mystery of the headless woman was, there was a a worker at one of the farms on the Doan estate that knew where the Domes had hid the royal treasure from um, Oliver Cromwell's men. And um, some of Oliver Cromwell's men found out that she may have the information they required to find all the treasure. And she was beheaded by somebody. And four days later, one of the suspects, a Mr. D O A N, got on a ship to America. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is listed in a pub in the United Kingdom, and the outside of the pub till 2016 was a, a woman holding her head, and she has been seen over the last five hundred years at least twenty times by people watching a so-called ghost walk past where the so-called incident took place. So I am privileged to be here (laughs) and listen and have a guess what Doan meant, D-O-A-N actually meant in medieval times, what the word D-O-A-N meant. Anybody, any ideas? Jerry, do you know? It's amazing, this.
0: I can tell he can't wait to find out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it actually meant outlaw. Because Oliver Cromwell didn't like the domes because he tried to hide the royal family of those days from the invaders. So I'm honored. I'm absolutely honored. I hope you like the story. that's, That's the story.
0: Jason, you want to comment? I'm going to go to a break, like right now.
1: Oh, I, yeah, no, I, I was going to say uh, thank you for that uh, insight. We've never heard that side of things. It's hard to find history from that far ago, so I appreciate that. But.
0: In living history colored right here, thanks to a guy from Cheshire. Hey, before we go to a break, I want to remind you that last week when I was in North Dakota, I had the opportunity to go to Beulah. Folks, the lignite business is vital to our future. We have 800 years worth of coal left. We must continue to utilize the coal that is available. Life is powered by coal. Get more details from lignite.com about all of the people in the coal fields and the coal fired power plants that continue to make our life livable. It's a luxury, and we cannot lose that essential of life lignite.com. We're back with more Roll route from the Black Lake Ranch and all the headless women after this. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce alongside Andrew Henderson, Dreaming of Headless Women, and we have Jace Doan. How do you spell it? Now how do you want to spell your name? I'm just curious. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> no, you should be proud of it. You should be very proud of it. Yeah, you should be
1: proud of being an outlaw. Uh, yeah. That's not the only story in our lineage, either, so... Oh, share this one. Well, oh, I have the other ones, but I want you to tell them. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, if, if we have time. <laughs> so, what we've been
0: doing, and I realize how uncomfortable it's going to be here, is we've been including the audience as much as possible, and we do not have, because of our budget, that was a joke, by the way, and nobody laughed, We we didn't have a budget to start with we still don't have a budget which is why you have nothing to eat Uh, but I do want this thank you Sue Ann I appreciate your empathy I do want to include anybody that wants to be a part of this and so if you were uncomfortably willing to walk up here and speak into this microphone or I'll come to you if that's what it takes we'll make that happen okay because I want everybody participate I want this to be a dialogue and a discussion Your father, Jerry Doan, with a whole new light shed upon that whole name, mentioned regenerative agriculture. It seems like so many things, Jace, are a great idea and then they're hijacked. What is regenerative agriculture and how do we apply it to the land and not allow somebody to hijack another term that actually taken it completely away from what its original intent was? So just tell us about regenerative
1: agriculture here at the Black Lake Ranch. Well, regenerative agriculture is kind of the new buzzword in the ag community. It used to be sustainable agriculture, but like Dad and Mr. Jay Fuhrer always says, why would you want to sustain something that has been degraded? Wouldn't you want to regenerate it and get it better? And so just, for instance, on our operation, Dad's been no-till for over 20 years. And the way we manage our cattle herd is in an intensive, um, rotationally grazed system. So we're trying to mimic what the buffalo did of tens of hundreds of years ago, and uh, more or less annihilate the ground by their hoof action and then not come back for an extended period of time. And that reinvigorates the ground It allows, it kind of takes away the invasive species and lets the more, I guess native and desirable plants gives them a chance to thrive and so that's how we try and and manage our grass and we do it both with cattle and buffalo here on this ranch. So you know Jay not
0: only spends time in North Dakota, he travels through central Nebraska once in a while. And It wasn't long ago he was at my place and you see you you use the word invigorated the land with the hoof marks.
1: He used the word compaction in the land with my hoof marks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of synonyms that could be used if those are synonyms. (laughs) (laughs) So to the point, you can have invigoration or you can
0: have too much and you get compaction. And you have to understand all of that because, again, I'm just pulling on this Beulah thing because last week it was absolutely fantastic. When you go and look at 160 feet deep in the soil, it all makes sense. Everybody should do that, to be quite honest.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm, I guess I'm not 100% familiar with your area of Nebraska, but I know a lot of Nebraska in their grasslands is very fragile land with the sand hills and everything. So you have to be careful. Like in the sand hills, season long grazing, what happens? All that sand has a chance to show up, and then when the wind blows, like it does in central Nebraska, northern Nebraska, it all blows away. So you have to manage it in a sense to where you get cattle on there for a short period of time and then get them off and allow those plants to to flourish. Okay, in all fairness, I took him to the worst spot
0: I had, so I knew how bad the worst was. Right, Jay? Uh, this is going to evolve into our discussion that we had on the way up here. Do you want to start that now?
2: I, I already had a quick chat with Jerry and, and with you, and, and I thought that I just can't believe how forward thinking what you're doing is. How many, what was it, how many different varieties of, um, of, fodder, are you looking to, to, to make this whole circle work so you are regenerating rather than um, uh, just sustaining? I think that the, the word re- regeneration is so much more powerful and will definitely improve the environment. So how, are you, how are you, what advice are you getting to do that and how are you making that work? <clears throat> Can you reword that one more time? <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think when I was speaking to you yeah, and your dad, you, you were talking about it. other, other forages <laughs> that you're using. Like, I, he was saying you were using millet and various other things there to, to, to make the circle work for the animal 24-7, 365 days of the year so that you were enhancing the land that you farm on a ranch basis, not on a
1: farmed basis. So, and I think that's amazing. You're talking on our cover crop side of things in, in the, yeah. cro- the cropland side of things. Yeah, there's 20, 26 or so different species in that cover crop mix, and it has every different uh, type of, of plant from your, your warm seasons, cool seasons, your brassicas, your uh, legumes, all those uh, sorts of things. And basically, when Dad um, sat down with with Jay and, and whoever and, and tried to figure out how to make this all work, he had three goals in mind. And uh, number one was reduce winter feed costs because that's what kills people in our area is feeding cattle for six months out of the year. And number two was propagate the wildlife because we do run a hunting outfitting business and so wildlife's very important to us. And then number three was improve our soil health. And that's where the soil conservation and Jay Fear came in. and. Uh, it's done m- mounds of of progress on all three of those things and when we're able, we've gone through a couple winters where we haven't had to feed a bale of hay for extended periods of time that we normally would have and that saves immense amount of money in in the long run you know when you
2: think about what's happening globally and they tell you you know that we need to reduce carbon to improve the vi- environment what you've just suggested is that Plus, 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 because that's talking about regenerating everything that you need an environment for an, an environment to thrive. More animals, more um, money for your milk, milk or meat for your buck, because you're utilizing to the nth degree the potential of a ranch or a farm. And that is the way forward. It's not sticking something up in the ground made of plastic in China that's going to whiz round and have to be buried in the ground for 300 years before it it, uh, actually can be decomposed into whatever. It's not burying carbon in the ground that is potentially could kill you if it exploded. This is the real conservation, the real sustainability, if that's the right word. I think it's improving what God gave us and I think I have to commend what you're doing here it's it's incredible really
0: appreciate it although we all whiz around in the land about six times a day (laughs) just had to say but I want you to back up to something because I don't want to be um, speaking in a language that only the farm population understands you used the term cover crop everybody here knows what that is People that are not engaged, they don't understand a cover crop and they don't know how this has so changed so
1: much of agriculture in the last five years. Well, cover crops probably have different meanings if you're using it in a after a cropping rotation or, or whatever. We're using it in a full season where that piece of land is dedicated solely for the purpose of growing that cover crop for that year. Um, basically, it's in our sense, putting all these plants in there to accomplish those three goals that I said. And, and you know, in, in other senses, it could be just to cover the ground after a farming rotation or whatever. If you plant wheat and you get it off early, then you plant a later season cover crop, quote unquote, and just cover the ground to protect it from water erosion, wind erosion, whatever. You don't have to summer fallow or, or till that ground up or all that, let all the water deplete away. So that's kind of what I mean by it. And because
0: Kelly might be watching at home and sh- everybody knows she manages everything at our ranch. She's the Speaker of the House. She's the orders from headquarters. Uh, it, it is a true story that that was our most highly compacted area. In fact, Andrew, I don't think I've told you this. Last year, we made it until April 1st before we fed a bale of hay. We grazed and we had two Did you sell st- it to a neighbor? Did you sell that hay to a neighbor? He's always referencing the stand at Paxton County. I cannot believe you can't get over that. So anyway, uh, we made it till April 1st. And uh, that's because we changed the density of our grazing and everything that we do. And I plan to make it until April 1st again this year or
1: later. Because the last thing I want to do is start a tractor and take a bale of hay out there. I agree. The less times you have to start that tractor, the less diesel you use, the more money you save.
0: And I might mention the first bale of hay I fed and the first load I fed came from Wing, North Dakota. It was absolutely fantastic feed. We're going to take a break and then we will come back. (laughs) When it comes to managing pastures and making sure that we do not have plants out of place or insects that we do not want, then we turn to Apache sprayers. Apache sprayers are right here close to home. Got a place in Mandan High Plains, Apache. There's a place also over by Fargo. In the southern part of the Great Plains, you have Simpson Farm Enterprises, simpsonfarm.com, or stop in, ask for Tyler, and visit highplainsapache.com. Full details online, simpsonfarm.com. We're back with the second half of Royal Route from the Black Lake Ranch after this. Welcome back roll route, Trent Luce, Andrew Henderson, for those that don't know, he's actually a ruminant nutritionist. This is what he really knows. Every, <laughs> everything else he just makes up, kind of like me. Yeah. Jace Doan on the other side, he's on my left. What else is going on at the Black Lake Ranch the Doan family that continues to keep you on the
1: cutting edge of profitability and sustainability in agriculture? Uh, we're unique, I guess, in the sense I have three other siblings. My sister's involved in different facets of, of the operation. And then my older brother has the hunting and outfitting business. That's why he's not present tonight. He's out dealing with that mess. They're in the thick of the Did you say mess? Mess, yeah. I saw him bring a bunch of orange
0: suited up guys back in a yellow school bus.
1: Yeah, that's, well... <laughs> I have no idea where to go with that. So we'll just let it go at a mess, I guess. Yeah. And then my uh next brother in line, Jay, he's got uh the Egger tourism venture, which is this building, and then his brewery in the back. And then um Oh, is there a brewery here? There is, yeah, behind those doors. That's the nice. beer that you're drinking. Yeah. Um, you don't
0: have to tell everything you
1: know on the airwaves. Well, sorry. <laughs> and then uh Myself, I've kind of taken over the, the farming and ranching side of things, and my wife, um, Cassie, she's watching at home, but she has uh, taken over the meat business too, Blackleg Ranch Meats. And how does that work? Where do you have that process? Uh, that, that's also a mess. But. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the mess,
0: ranch. We've renamed <laughs> it in the corn context of this conversation.
1: No, there's just, it's the way that federal processing works and everything, and North Dakota... Needs to do a little bit better of a job in trying to get their federal processors um, established and staying established. And so, um, for for local processing and quarters, halves, and holes, we have it, we have it made. We have a local processor really close. But for federal processing, it's a bit of a challenge. So, so that guy named Switzer that we drove by today.
0: Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're really really good to work with. Yep, yeah, I know. Uh, but you have a state inspection program. Why isn't that adequate for the within state? We're shipping all over, so it's it's uh and with the state inspection, as long as you have a reciprocal agreement with that state, you can go into that state, correct?
1: Something like that. And I've talked to our egg commissioner and there's a bit of confusion and I've called the egg department and again there's more confusion. Are you
0: indicating Doug Goring could be confused?
1: Uh, no, no that comments. does not
0: seem likely.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a mess, too. I'm
0: just saying that, That's Trent Lou saying
2: that. If I was him, I would not have answered that.
0: Yeah. Is Doug here? I don't see no. Doug here.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we have somebody that goes to the Capitol every day saying, Jace, change the topic. Yeah. All right. So I, I just want to say, because it's something that Kelly and I have been in since 1995, we all romance raising the animal. And we had four, four of the 18. FFA students last night from the Leola and the Groton chapter that have all that four of them talked about Butchering and selling products at home Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's something that everybody thinks is a great opportunity, but the truth of the matter is It's a lot tougher and there's so many hurdles for one neighbor to buy a product from another neighbor There should be no government in the middle of that Yeah, wait, let me check and see if the speaker of the house says
1: that's okay (laughs) Well, you saw an influx of that during covid and the coronavirus and everything and there was a ton of people getting into this direct marketing thing and it was a great great idea but then you couldn't get butcher slots and then those processors became overwhelmed and honestly a lot of them have folded since then just in right. those few years yeah
0: you got two two plants small size meat plants in north dakota that have shut down just in the last few months yeah Why why was that? One answer. Guess what it is. I have no idea. Labour. Nobody wants to work. It's a USA
2: thing. You don't have that in the UK.
0: I know everybody's dying to go to work. We
2: do that. We do have that in the UK. We have problems at our border in the UK. We have the same problems that you have here, Trent. However, I'm, I'm intrigued to know whether that's the real problem here in the sense that do people want to buy locally? Um, can you put your hands up if you want to buy locally, please?
0: Yes. That's virtually everybody.
2: Yeah, I, okay, Trent. I've got the microphone at the moment, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, very and I, troubling. Uh, well, it is, but you've had it for most of the day, and if I was in a pram with you. the
0: entire first segment without...
2: <laughs> So, I'm just saying, do you think that that's what most people would like to do? Could you put your hand up if you think that's what most people would like to do? And I, the reason I, and it's about half and half, the reason I say that is that it is federal government and local government that's making that hard to do. Would you agree with that? Would you put your hands up? Because that's the thing. It's not whether you can get labor. It's actually they make it very hard for you to do it because of the cost. You're wrong. I'm wrong.
0: And I disagree I'm, I'm with wrong. everybody who raised their hand, oh. including Derek Boulevard. Well, who could turn us off right now? Well, China,
2: you the reason your that opinion. people
0: don't buy locally is because it is convenient to go to one place, load everything that you want into, a pl- into your shopping cart and go check out. People don't want to drive halfway to Moffat and go get local meat. They don't want to go pick up local things at a farmer's market and then go here and there. They are driven by convenience every single time and price. And quite frankly, you can go buy it at that centralized point at a lot cheaper purchase point than you can at these individual shops.
2: Well, I have a farmer that started selling his own milk with 300 cows four years ago, and he sells every liter from his farm to the local general public and three other farms have jumped on board with him. It depends on how you market yourself and also how you bring yourself closer closer to your community. And I think this place here, um, you had your say, this place here is a living, breathing example of how to bring the local community back to the agricultural industry. I commend it. I think what you're doing is incredible. I can see it. So, but anyway, your my point view.
0: about Ray Brown, because yes. I absolutely love Br- Ray Brown. I love what he's been able to accomplish in his dairy and sell 100% of his products. He lives within walking distance of a large village and people coming by it.
2: He made it convenient. No, no. he did that. He and did a Chapel, phenomenal job. Home made- Chapel is 2,500 people. He's 25 miles away from Manchester. How far away are you from Bismarck? 25 miles. Well, I rest my case. There you go.
1: that doesn't make any sense
2: well it might
1: not to you I, I would say in our experience people like the idea of buying local and it's hard for us to compete with Walmart and when you're trying to offer a niche product at an elevated not elevated but probably the price that it should be and people see that then they just want you to be cheaper than Walmart, and so then they'll just go back to Walmart. Okay. It's convenience.
0: And we've been doing this since 1995. If I call somebody and say, hey, I'm coming into Carney this weekend. Oh, they'll, they'll tell me they want this, this, and this. They will not pick up the phone and call me and say, when are you coming again? It's just a different mindset whatsoever. And you have to understand that, and you may make it work. Well, and
1: I'll, I'll even disagree with you a little bit, Trent, because Ooh, we'll, 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 perfect. We'll drop it right at your front door. It can't get any more convenient than us delivering bringing it to, to you. But you have to make the initial contact. You do. Or you can buy one of our subscription boxes and never have to deal with it again. Sounds good. That sounds really good. Those subscriptions are perfect. That doesn't
0: sound like a mess at all. It's No, that's all great. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. So... What do you see going forward? What are the challenges as a young person in agriculture and keeping a ranch going?
1: What do you see those as being? Inflation, trying to expand. I mean, unless you're born into it, married into it, or win the lottery, it's virtually impossible. Um, Dealing with high interest rates right now. I mean, you're creeping up on 10% on a lot of things. How do you take out a million-dollar loan with no equity to put against it? And it's just different things for a young producer starting from nothing. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a ton of challenges. I'm not saying there's not a lot of opportunities either because cattle market's really good right now. There's huge opportunities in the cattle market right now. And I'm not too familiar with the crop side of things, but there's probably some some uh, opportunities there too. So,
2: that's a common theme we've heard all week. It is, but there every problem is also an opportunity and um, that's why it is it's a local issue it's a regional issue and it's a national issue and it's an international issue and um, I just say to everybody in this room you need to be sheepdogs you need to stand up for your constitution you need to stand up for what's right and what's wrong because food is about to become the most important currency in the world When you take 3,000 Dutch farmers out, just like that, it's not the 3,000 farmers that's really the problem. It's the fact that they are the biggest exporters of meat for the rest of Europe and dairy for the rest of Europe. That means that we're very quickly going to start to see people need to buy from black leg Ranch. So, and that's where we're going with this. I, you know, I listened to Trent talking about Walmart and worried about that. That's, well, if if Walmart wins and the globalists win, you'll not only be going to Walmart, you'll be going there and you'll be tagged to say how much carbon you've used to go there and get your groceries. Nobody will tag them for how far they've had to bring the groceries to that store because they don't count that. So you need to rise up. Support your local farmers get all your local farmers to become sheep dogs not sheep
0: We have the same dilemma that we've had all week And that is that every person here agrees with us The challenge is the 40,000 people in Bismarck that don't care except other than who the Bismarck bucks are playing next that wasn't meant to be funny. But anyway, who the Bismarck Bucks are playing next or who their high school, who Sterling is playing next in a high school football game, whatever the case may be. And they don't care about all of this stuff that we're talking about here. The real message needs to be, how do we get people to understand this now? And so that they have a domestic supply of food and fuel. I agree. And water. And water, which we've been ta- Now I even start to sound like I'm Scottish with that little water we gotta take another break the national western is coming up denver colorado that is just around the corner i cannot believe that 2024 is just around the corner january the 6th through the 21st is the national western if you've not been there in a while or you've been there and you said it's just not what it used to be well there are new management New ideas, and we are going to make it what it used to be. Lori Hintz, it's been over for about a half an hour. Thanks for showing up. More details about getting to the National Western in Denver, Colorado, January 6th through 21st at nationalwestern.com. And don't forget the fantastic rodeos that will be taking place, including the Pink Out Day. Nationalwestern.com. We're back with the last segment, Roll route after this. Welcome back. Roll around to the program. Now there is no chance I'm going to hold a microphone. You want to sit over here by Jay, so you and two can have, you two can have a conversation. I just sit here and watch. How are you, Jay? Fine, thank you. Yeah. You want to talk about compaction at my place? <laughs> I would prefer not to. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely perfect. Would you tell us about the research that you've been doing and everything you're working on?
3: So what we uh, typically take a look at is uh, really. Uh, I think Jace explained it pretty well. Uh, He talked about the diversity of the cover crops. So we always kinda, when we talk about soil regeneration or building soils, we usually go back 10, 12,000 years and ask ourselves, how did these soils that we're sitting on at this ranch, how did they get built? And so we were glaciated five to six times uh, in this part of the Northern Plains. Most recent would have been that 10 to 12,000 year ago and after that period of time we got populated with um, high diversity perennial plants and they were being grazed by ruminants and the ruminants were being moved by the predators and so it was a system that was really well defined by Lewis and Clark and so they gave us kind of a template um, as they were here in 1804 through 1806 and they explained this system and it really was a, a wonderful uh, look at it because these soils, mollisol soils that we have, some of the best in the world, uh, were built over that period of time. So now, when we want to build something, regenerate it, we can mimic that template. So you don't put in uh, one, one cover crop, you put in a multitude of plants. And because the native prairies that we have here Uh, are going to have 100-plus species on them. So every acre is going to be populated with a high diversity of plants. So now when we put put a cover crop on our cropland, we can put in a number of different plants because it starts to mimic that. And every green plant is a carbon inlet. And so if we want to bring carbon in the soil, we've got to have a green plant. And when we bring in a multitude of green plants, we get a lot better at it because they each have a unique carbon-sugar exudate uh, that comes into the soil. And so consequently, what uh, Jace has explained and what uh, Black Lake Ranch has done so well at is mimicking what built these soils. And they bring in these covers, and then they manage graze them. We don't have the predator influence, but the rancher becomes the predator. So the rancher makes the move, and then it enhances the carbon input, because the green plant regrows, flourishes, plus the carbon that was in the plant gets recycled by the ruminant, and so instead of an exporting off the land, it becomes a recycling on the land. And then we start to see soil organic matter levels raise and the carbon that we like to talk about and is on everybody's uh, mission and vision statement, every company has something green, right? And so really what this comes down to is, is what I would call real conservation or real um, regeneration. It's not just talking. You know,
2: I've never heard anybody explain that so well. Um, so I want to ask a question about it. Talk about regeneration. Do you think that generally the planet is regenerating itself on a constant basis? Do you think that that, could happen or is?
3: Well, it's dynamic, Okay, right? And so we have so terribly many moving parts. Mm-hmm. And so what's so essential, and Trent brought up compaction yeah. in, in this lot, I won't call it a field, that he put me in, and <laughs> then said, now talk soil health now. Oh, OK, sure. <laughs> we're, we're standing on this cement lot, you know. Yeah. Sure, we can do that. But I think what you're looking at is all these parts are dynamic and moving and so the soil is a source and a sink for carbon, it's both. Okay. And so it has a huge amount of room for additional carbon because, and you know, we've done a lot of soil monitoring on this over the years, we've harvested out well over half of the carbon that was initially in these soils Mm -hmm. in terms of crop production, annual crop production, because agriculture is basically an an exporting process. So what can we do then to build it back? Mm -hmm. So we know we have room in the soil for a huge amount of carbon And, and methane is also a source in the sink, carbon for the soil is a source in the sink, and so all these things are constantly in flux And so we start to see this as we monitor CO2 levels, for instance. uh, You can see them rise and fall on a daily scenario. When the stomata on a plant is open, CO2 is coming in. But what happens at night? These CO2 levels typically rise. Why? The stomata is closed, right? Because the sun monitors. But CO2 is only
2: 0.04% of the actual atmosphere. Very small amount. It's a tiny amount. Yeah. So my question is, that if you regenerate in the way that you, you're suggesting, are we also able to regenerate some of the resources in the, as, we, as we bring the soil up to standard by doing the sort of thing that you're talking about? Do you think we're around, we are able to regenerate some of the other things that come from Mother Earth? And I'm going to give you an example. Fossil fuel. Is it really fossil fuel? Or does that planet make more fossil fuel as the centuries go on.
3: Well, I think it kind of depends on if you're talking about carbon levels in the soil or if you're talking about um, oil production in our Bakken oil field. Yep. Okay, so we've got a 75, 90-foot seam of oil production in the Bakken oil field, horizontal wells, Mm -hmm. but at the time that that was created, the Bakken oil field was physically located near the Equator. Okay. Okay, and then through geological time, Mm -hmm. plate tectonics moved that portion of North Dakota, okay, eventually to its present spot. Wow. So there was a vast accumulation, okay, in in the equator. Now, the other normal situations that you have are just carbon, always think of food. So if you hear the word carbon, think food. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when we have food. So yeah, it's, it's plant food and it's biology food. So it's the, it's, the, it's the food that feeds the soil biology, which in turn gives us all of our services in yep. the soil. And so it's uh, our infiltration to fix Trent's compaction. It's our storage area for water so we can improve water quality and quantity. And all of these things start to come together. So when you improve a soil, when you do what, what Jace has done here on this ranch, when you improve a soil, it's collective. It's comprehensive. You can't just take one item and make it better. You have to bring it all up at the same time.
0: So Jay, there's two things that come in my mind. First of all, we've allowed everybody to talk about net carbon zero. And you just said point blank, which we know, everybody in this room knows to be true, that CO2 is food.
3: Net carbon zero means no food. Yeah. You, well, it's a carbon cycle. So Correct. You, everyone remembers in the 7th grade when you learned the carbon cycle and you were so excited to go home and tell your parents about it. Yeah, <laughs> JC you remember that, yeah, right? You remember yeah, going what, home telling Jerry about the carbon cycle? Well. <laughs> So uh, what so, school did you go to? So, <laughs> so This is why you're different. So <laughs> so it's a carbon cycle. It is meant to return to the atmosphere. Okay? It's yeah. meant to do that. The other thing that we rarely talk about is the ranges and so how much carbon how much CO2 can increase in, in a plant is still happy or how low can it go and a plant is not happy. Okay. I,
2: I know that so I've seen that okay so but around 800 you seem to have in certain grasses optimum growth certainly certainly with uh, some um, fruits and vegetables about 800 Parts per million seems to get maximum growth and quality, but as soon as you start getting below 300, you start to see yields drop and the quality of the actual food drop.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. You're right in the zone. I think you hit that pretty close because our atmospheric levels were at about 455, give or take. Okay, so we're at, at about that. A plant, when it gets down below 300, it's going to start to lose a lot of vigour.
2: When it gets down to 30, it's almost dead.
3: Well, I, I, I doubt yeah. if it would make it that far. Jay, yeah.
0: it's strange that we're just now sitting here discovering what students in dorm rooms growing marijuana have known for a long time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think those students are motivated. <laughs> <laughs> right? We motivated. need a little motivation, I think. <laughs> okay,
0: one other thing that I want to get to, and we have two minutes left, um, just so everybody knows where we're at. There is something that is becoming glaringly apparent to me that we've made a mistake in in the ranching world and management of grasslands is if we want to go out there and we want to see an entire pasture full of little blue or whatever, that, whatever your grass is, the diversity of plants is important and I think you just said that in so many words.
3: Yeah, diversity drives. So diversity drives soil regeneration whether it's in a cropland scenario or a grassland scenario. And so, in the uniqueness of that is every green plant's a carbon inlet, and every individual crop type or plant type has a little bit different sugar exudate coming into the soil. That's what gives the soil biology a balanced diet. And so they don't eat just one thing. If they do, they don't do as well. And so if they have the diversity of plants, uh, we start to see them flourish and they start to build their soil aggregates. It's all about building a soil aggregate with a little pore space. Here in North Dakota we hear about pore spaces a lot because of oil production. And so the pore space is built by the biology and it's built on a plant. Root. The pore space at my house is a completely different
0: context, I gotta say. Stone, <laughs> I want you to give us a summary here. It's been a fantastic evening so far. Greg is gonna come back in a moment,
1: make it even better. But what's our takeaway? <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. Everybody had a, had, a, had a lot of good things to say. Mr. Fear here is really smart and he's taught us a lot. And I guess uh, I, I hope everybody can, can take stuff away, obviously. We don't have everything totally figured out, but we're trying.
0: Well, you know what? My takeaway, Jay Fear, is that we are told the poor space is like a sponge. So I hope that everybody watching, listening, and under, wants to understand better soil biology is a sponge of information because everything that we do in the health of the world depends upon the top six inches of topsoil and how healthy it actually is. Thank you, sir. So welcome, Andrew Henderson, it's been fun. I got one other thing to say before we go. Did you want to say a closing thing, 20 seconds?
2: Just amazing fantastic way of describing how carbon works in our ecosystem thank you very much I
0: don't even want to know how you would tag a guy fur to the history of the world because it might get ugly I want to remind you that healthy living is not only something about the soil it's also about co2 uh, no not co2 you got co2 on my brain nitric oxide in the human body no2u.com don't take my word for it go to the website no2u that's the number two letter u Dr. Nathan Bryan has been working on this for his entire life. I've taken a nitric oxide supplement every single day. I encourage you to get the information on why you should as well. What a fantastic time. Great audience at the Black Lake Ranch. And you can go to the full hour where Jeff Magnum did not come and steal the microphone. On behalf of everybody here, we all re- all roads do lead to a roll route.